It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Buckeyes Now on Sports Illustrated continues our coverage of the Ohio State Buckeyes with our grades for week one. Ohio State got away with a win, 45-31 over Minnesota, but it certainly was a far from perfect performance. There were some good things. There were some things that need cleaning up, and for that, we've got one of the best minds in college football here helping us out. Tom Zagorski, who has spent plenty of time in college coaching staffs, knows exactly what to look for. I'm going to prop you up, Coach. You know I'm going to do that. I appreciate it, Brendan. No, uh, it's exciting to be here and uh, obviously get a chance to watch one of the nation's best football teams at Ohio State and really get to watch the ins and outs of those guys um, and to see how well they're coached and to see all the different things that they do on a day-to-day basis to produce one of the best products in college football. Well, they certainly have uh, have an impressive group this year, a young team for sure. Uh, I thought the, the first half of that game featured a little bit more conservative play calls, trying to get your feet underneath you. The second half really opened it up. Uh, and, and you saw that this team certainly still has that uh, home run power, high explosive, uh, high octane offense. Why don't we just start maybe with your your overarching thoughts of the game before we dive into specific grades? Yeah, I came away with it was a great win for the Buckeyes. I thought that Ryan Day had a young team prepared to go play on the road. These guys haven't played in front of anybody almost in two years. And then you have seven new starters on defense. You have an offense that's still kind of finding itself. You got a Thayer Munford moving into guard and People don't realize that up front, that's a big deal. Moving from tackle to guard, your sets are different. The way that you attack the game is different. You play a different game in between the guards than you do between the tackles. And I think that's really important. I, I thought him and him and Paris Johnson, who both tackles by trade, was an interesting move. Uh, really paid dividends for the Buckeyes on uh, on Thursday night. You look at a young quarterback in C.J. Stroud. And I wouldn't say that Ryan Day didn't have his shot calls in the first half. They tried to max protect. CJ just missed a couple of those throws. He's 19 years old. It's wet out there. Um, but one of my you know, biggest takeaways from the game is that you get that opener as a Big Ten game instead of playing against East Popcorn State or Mickey Mouse Tech, like where you just know you're going to dominate. And to have a little adversity, like as a coaching staff, you have to be excited about that. You come away with a win. You're nationally ranked. Everyone keeps talking about this Oregon game that's a week down the road. Minnesota's a good football team. P.J. Fleck had a phenomenal game plan. They held the clock. They put big people in the game. I mean, they were a jumbo package probably over half the game with an extra offensive lineman, a tight end. 42, their tight end, his name escapes me at the moment, is a big physical kid. They played Wisconsin light and played really, really well against those guys because that's the model that PJ and his staff did uh, on Thursday night. They were going to play Wisconsin football. They were going to run the football. They were going to put limited options on Tanner Morgan. And the defense, for the most part, was able to hold up. And like I said, I think in the article as I talk is that you take that one big runaway on fourth and one on their own 30-yard line, it's a completely different football game. It's a completely different football game. They busted on that duo play. It came right off the C-gap. They were able to hit it with – I mean, they had seven offensive linemen plus the aforementioned 42 kid. I mean, that's some big physical football. The Buckeyes have been out there for a while. You're asking a young safety or corner to come in and make the fit on that run. And, and they had it. They popped. And sometimes that happens for you. It's 70 some yards in the, you know, on the game plan. But you take that out. They held Ibrahim, who was the best rusher and you know, really in the Big Ten last year consistently, 3.7 yards a carry. 
And that's really exciting, uh, you know, from that standpoint to see that. But, you know, this young defense is only going to get better. They're coached by incredible people. And um, and we'll talk more about it as we get into it. Yeah, I think the, the the two biggest numbers that back up a lot of those thoughts, time of possession, Minnesota had 39 minutes worth of time of possession. They ran 27 more plays than the Buckeyes did, uh, and, and they ran it 50 times for 200 yards. And, and as you mentioned, it was, you know, 56 of those came on, on one carry. So I think in a lot of ways, Minnesota executed the game plan that they wanted to, but there were a couple of things that obviously made a huge difference and, and defensive touchdowns are, are certainly among those. Why don't we start with quarterback play? Cause I think everybody wants to know right off the top, uh, an evaluation of CJ Stroud. First time he's gotten on the field in two years, you know, it, there were some nerves perhaps early on. I, I think he was a, a Maybe his, his accuracy, his windows, a little too big. Uh, but as the game settled in, I, I thought he settled in. How would you see it? I saw, From a mental standpoint, when you watch a young quarterback, the first thing you want to see is he mentally prepared. And kudos to the Ohio State staff. They had him ready to play that game. You know, you watch him mentally his, through his progression. He did a really nice job. You know, he wasn't missing open guys with his mind. He was missing open guys with his arm. And that's something you can train. That's something you're going to get going. Uh, going further for him. I'm really excited about the tool set he has. I think Buckeye fans are a little, uh, a, li- a little, um, uh, the word is escaping me right now. They're a little more, um, we've had Justin Fields the last couple of years. You know, that's a really, really talented quarterback who doesn't miss those shots. And you really look at that game plan, there's a couple of throws he misses early. We're a, a Wilson or a Lave, they're going to take that to the house. And, and now you're sitting here, you're going, wait a second, the Buckeyes are up 28 nothing, and the second coming, of who our next great quarterback is under center, and we're ready to go. He had some bad snaps. It was a wet weather game, um, and, and every time they panned to him, um, I think the kid could win the lottery and wouldn't bat an eye. I mean, he's just – that's the kind of way he is, and you want that at quarterback, and he's only going to get more confident and pull those guys around him. Uh, I really, really came away with him being really smart. He didn't take a sack. You know, he got out of the pocket a little bit. One of the things, one of the critiques they're going to have for him is to sit in the pocket a little bit longer. You know, he got flushed sometimes, and that eternal pressure you see coming, and that guard gets butted back into you. You know, give those guards time to work. Give those offensive linemen time to work as they're working to it. Uh, but for the most part, I really think C.J. Stroud is, is going to be really special. It's going to be a fun year to watch him develop, and, and for as long as he's in Columbus, um, he, he's going to be really, really unique and, and really special to watch. Well, you uh, you alluded to the lack of pressure put on him consistently uh, in the sense that that offensive line did its job. So maybe let's shift there next. Uh, I know you're you're a former All American offensive lineman at heart. I know that's your 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 unit. Uh, that is one big, talented, physical front five the Buckeyes put out there, and that included Luke Whipler instead of Harry Miller because Harry Miller was unavailable. Um, I know you mentioned that, that Thayer and Paris are more tackles playing guard, but what's your evaluation of the way the offensive line played? I mean, you come away from a game on a stat sheet, you can't be happier than an offensive line coach. You watch the, you know, there's no negative rushing yards, zero negative rushing yards. And that's a, that's a, that's, that's a tight ends in the offensive line blocking. That's also having the running backs understand they can't dance. They got to go, um, which I think was really, really special. And they didn't give up a sack. They didn't give up a sack against a good Minnesota defensive line. Now, I'm not saying it's the best defensive line I see this year. They've got a better one coming Saturday, uh, on, coming, uh, coming to town. But realistically, they're going to be somebody going forward uh, that this team's going to have to rely on. They're going to have to run the football in the Big Ten, and they're going to be able to do it. They've got a three-headed monster in the backfield uh, that, that a lot of people just drool at. 
And those guys were great. And the thing that was really fun to watch, and this is more like you joke from an offensive lineman perspective, to watch those guys sit on their combination blocks, on the inside zones, on the counter plays, to see them just kind of waiting for those linebackers and just getting that kind of movement. Um, they're going to have some explosive runs this year and really take off. And the one big explosive run of the night, I, I, you know, he takes off on the outside and makes a safety miss. You know, that's God given. That's not uh, anything the coaching staff did or anything else from that standpoint. Uh, but no, really, that was a, it was great to see. They're going to continue to get better. The young, you know, you know, you know, Jones, a tackle, you know, he athletically, he's going to get it going. He's a massive human being. And there's going to be some speed rushers he's going to have trouble with, but they'll have ways to chip and nudge for him to help him out when they go see those type of teams. But um, this will be one of the better offensive lines we've seen in, in Columbus, at least in the last 15 years. I'm, I'm laughing because uh, Mayan Williams said post game that that play that he busted for the 70 yard touchdown run was designed to go left. And he yeah. goes, I, I ran the wrong way. I went right. And, you know, it still works out to be a great highlight play, but uh, he decided to pull back the curtain, let everybody know. No, actually, I, I messed that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, split, you look at the split fall, he's lined up on the wrong side. And that's when you're a freshman quarterback, you know, your job is the quarterbacks to make sure the back's on the correct side. So he gets an MA in the stat column. So they're going to watch it. He'll get a plus minus on that grade sheet. Uh, they're going to hand him in the meeting. But, uh, you know, when you get when you get a touchdown runoff, it's kind of tough to, to get too upset. And it's funny <laughs> you say that if you're watching the game, you can see the different energy. You see players that are getting excited on the sideline. You see coaches not as excited on that because they know it's the wrong play. But when you get away with it with a touchdown run on national TV, um, some things just go your way. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about Mayan Williams and, and Travion Henderson in particular. I realize, you know, the incumbent Master Teague saw a few carries and, and Marcus Crowley even got in there a little bit. Uh, but this really felt like the Mayan Williams and, and Travion Henderson show. You know, Mayan, a second-year player, saw him in four games last year, but didn't really factor in a lot. Uh, and, and for many, many people, this was, you know, his introduction uh, on, on the Ohio State football stage. Um, he was certainly not the same highly recruited prospect that Travion Henderson is. Travion Henderson is, is an absolute superstar in the making, and obviously he took a, a long screen pass and showcased his speed. How special are these two guys? It's it's awesome. I mean, watching Mayan Williams in, at Winton Woods High School, coming out of high school, you know, you watched him and you thought maybe he's going to be a lower Big Ten type of running back. And then his senior year, he takes off. And Ohio State was able to go get him and, and bring him in. What a great take for them from a recruiting standpoint to not worry about stars, to not worry about ratings, to worry about finding the right guy. And he's going to be that guy for them. He's got an ability to move. He's got low pads. He can read all the zone stuff that they're going to do. He's going to be really special. And obviously, as we saw, he's got the home run ability to make a safety miss. He's fitting on a, you know, fitting in and cover four and can be able to go take off down the sideline. Um, and then Trayvon Henderson, I mean, it's what we thought he was going to be. You know, it was almost like they're holding him back. It's a wet game. It's national TV. It's like, all right, how do we get him a touch? Let's get him this screen. And Minnesota was all out of all out of sorts. I mean, having nobody cover the back, um, you know, and you're just going to ask him to go take off. And then, um, you know, being able to get him behind the blocking of the guys on the perimeter, he takes off. There, Those are two enormous home run uh, hits. And, and it gets you excited. Last time you saw a freshman, like, have big runs like that, I mean, you look back to like a, a Maurice Claret type, and, and Mo Claret is way different than those two are personality and physicality and the way that he was built. But you know, you got to remember, like he was doing that against, you know, not against a Minnesota team on national TV in his opening game. I mean, these guys were doing something really special. And then Master T, you know, I, I had the pleasure of watching Master T play live actually in high school, and I was there to see a tight end play down at Little Blackman High School in Murfreesboro. And it was a great night of football, and you saw something different in that kid. His physicality. Um, he's going to be the guy that can go to 
in short yardage situations when they need the ball carried to run the game out. He's mature. He's going to help those guys in that room. He just doesn't have the God-given ability uh, that some that those other two guys have. And that's not a knock on him. Any other school in America would kill to have Master T. We're excited he's here. He's going to kill the rock for them. But there's some runs that he had that you could see that if, if a Henderson or a Williams takes that run, it's another 10 to 15 yards uh, in the explosive run category. And we're talking about how these guys are the future of Ohio State running backs. You know, we've talked a little offensive line and now a little running back. I, I, I think maybe we could tie the two together for a moment because Ohio State hit a couple of big play action plays. Um, your thoughts on the way the running backs and offensive line handled those situations? Awesome. I mean, they did a great job in the protection. But one of the things you notice about Ohio State, and they've done this in the Ryan Day era, and Ryan Day does a really great job of recognizing, I've got incredible receivers on the outside. I can let those guys go work. They're going to have six, seven, eight guys in the protection. And what it does for defense is it makes you decide, do you rush the passer and try to get there by adding extra people into the fit or, and then go play one-on-one -on -one with Olave or, you know, with, with these guys that we have on the perimeter, Hey, you're going to be really, really excited to see what we're going to do going forward as the Ohio state team. I think that the other person that we miss in this is sometimes the tight ends in the protection. You know, the guy that I thought, you know, as the night went on and I know you and I have talked off the air, I mean, I cannot say enough about 88. I think he is, he, he, he should be at the top of the Mackey Award watch list. He had, to believe, one catch for 11 yards the other night. But what he did in the blocking schemes, in pass protection, what he was able to do at the tight end position, Kevin Wilson has this kid playing better than any tight end in the country right now. And it's exciting to watch him go. Um, yeah, he's going to catch some touchdowns here and there, but that's not where we're going to get to know this guy. It's him getting up vertical on, 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 on split flow blocks. It's him being able to run down the field. I mean, he sprung two touchdown blocks on effort alone. And you look at that and you think about where they're at in, in that room. It was exciting. I know we're transitioning. You go to the play action, but the but that tight end room having him and a young Kate Stover, you know, in that room, it gives you the ability to be able to get in the 12 personnel and really set up the ability to have extra gaps in the run game, which Ryan Day loves to have in his play calling, and also gives him the affords him the ability to have seven guys in the protection, get the backs out in protection now. Now you're getting three guys out. You've got two of our freak show wide receivers, whoever they may be, you go six deep on that. And it's like, you've got guys that can go take off. You're going to have the back getting out of the backfield. Um, you know, I know you and I talked and we said that the, the score, uh, the offense, how about this offense? Like we, when CJ Stroud matures <laughs> to the point where he starts hitting, like he's going to have a night where he just kind of gets, goes off and we're going to look back and go, holy smokes. Like, look at the tools we have on offense here um, down in Columbus. I, uh, I think it's probably hard for fans to appreciate just how good Jeremy Ruckert is unless you are watching with such a locked-in, watchful eye because he's never going to jump off a stat page at you. The box score is never going to tell his full effort. Um, but, man, especially on the two big touchdown plays, one to Olave and uh, the other one, I believe, was Travion's, uh, uh, Travion's screen pass. I mean, it, it, it's it's amazing how he doesn't try to just block wherever he was pre-positioned at the start of the play. He's looking for something down the field to try to spring plays. And to your point, it's kind of hard to coach effort. You either want it or you don't. And this guy is unbelievable in that. And it, it's relentless. It's relentless. And I've been around coaches that are like that, um, where during practice, you're running after these guys. And you're they relentless, relentless, relentless. And he was not like that probably when he got here, uh, you know, playing in the state of New York. That's not the best high school football in America. Uh, but what he has done is he's developed, he's bought in, um, and he's being coached by one of the best in the country. You know, Kevin Wilson, I think, is the unsung hero of this offensive staff and really the staff at Ohio State. 
mean, you talk about the experience he's had and the places he's been. Um, he, he is a great football coach, and those guys are lucky. He's only going to make Kate Stover better uh, as well as that room grows, and it's exciting to watch him. I think as the team goes, and I'd be shocked that if I wasn't in the meetings, but I'd be shocked if they weren't watching him and, and showing his effort clips um, to everybody else. And I use, I'm sorry, I'm using the remote, but uh, being able to do that, I think it'll be interesting to see um, and watch him play. If he can consistently play at that level going forward as the year goes on, uh, no matter who they're playing, if they're playing the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes or if they're playing the Alabama Crimson Tide or everyone in between, um, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how good of a football player he can be and how that picks up the level of other guys. You know, you're blocking and, and you're downfield and, you know, you, you know, and I, the wide receivers do a phenomenal job of blocking, but they see this guy just flashing by them. And, and we've all been there to play that game. There's that guy that flashes by you. It picks up your, it picks you up and um, he's going to continue to pick up the rest of the guys on that offense. It's exciting to see. I know we've talked about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson a little bit on the surface level. Jackson Smith and Jigba plays in the slot. You know, th those three guys played basically every offensive play with a wide receiver out there until the last couple minutes when Ohio State essentially decided they were going to run out the clock. And, um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Got, and, and Julian Fleming, I think, got maybe two snaps on the outside, and that was about it. So uh, in, in terms of grades for the wide receivers, I, I'm sure it's hard to say that they played poorly. You know, Olave comes up with two touchdown catches. Garrett Wilson makes an absolute fool out of the out of the safety on his post play. Um, but for a group that has such high expectations because they have such a high ceiling, uh, you know, through that lens, how would you grade their work this week? I, I gave them a B, I believe a B plus on paper. And the reason I said that was you couldn't knock the group. You couldn't knock them for not trying. Uh, they were open when they needed to be open. The one interception. Um, you know, it was a great read by the, by CJ. He just missed the throw. And, you know, if he gets that to Olave, you know, and you've watched what he does. He catches a bubble in the backfield and takes it for 12 yards. I mean, like there's little things that he does that other people can't do. Um, he is special and it's exciting that he stayed here to it through his senior year. Um, he's going to pay dividends. He's going to go down in, in history as one of the best receivers ever to play here at Ohio state. And, you know, Garrett Wilson, I think, as he continues to watch, and continues to grow to that standpoint as well. And then those young guys get to see how it's done. And that's where Brian Hartline set this room up really special because now these guys are going to watch how these professionals go. Because realistically, like next year at this time, like Chris Olave is going to be doing the same thing in the National Football League. And being able to do that and watch the way that guy proceeds every single day, uh, it's going to really help that room. You couldn't knock them. They didn't have as many attempts. You know, there was – you know, the opportunities, there were a couple of errant throws that, you know, were missed here and there. Uh, but they're going to eat. Um, the biggest thing probably going after that game was huddling up those guys. And, and no disrespect to wide receivers, I've been there. When you rush for uh, X amount of yards and the receivers only have a couple yards in the game, as the OC, you run down to the locker room. The first thing you do is you go and grab those wide receivers and go, hey, I didn't get you the ball enough today. We're going to get you the ball. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to keep going. We love you, you know, and, and get those guys some touches early. And don't be surprised if you see some 10 personnel early um, against Oregon to have the opportunity to get more of those guys on the field and give them the ability to kind of go uh, uh, the proverbial eat, if you will, um, dating back to the Zeke era. Oh, the Buckeyes did a really good job balancing the run and the pass uh, on the stat sheet because they hit so many big time plays for sure. But you could tell they were uh, they were keen on trying to establish the run here early in the game. And then in the second half, they gave CJ Stroud a little more chances to, to open it up. All right, so this has been really enjoyable so far. We've had a lot of high praise for an offense that scored 45 points. Uh, I guess the offense technically scored 38 points, uh, but uh, a good offensive showing. Now we got to dive into the defense where, you know, it, it it felt like a lot of times last year, Tommy, that 
this team was able to outscore its mistakes. And in most of the games throughout the course of the year, that was good enough. And that's not to say that the defense was bad. The pass defense in the back end struggled last year, but I thought Ohio State's rush defense has been fine. Um, obviously, an entirely new-looking linebacking core, seven new starters on defense, a ton of rotation throughout the course of the game. But it's really hard to ignore what you saw against Alabama in January and what you saw on Thursday night against Minnesota and feel like there's been a ton of progress because there were still some some frustrating moments. So let's try to let's try to dissect good things and bad things and where we want to see Ohio State grow. Let's start on that front uh, front line with a defensive line. We'll start off at the beginning with the defensive line. Um, like we said at the beginning in the opening of this, you know, minus that one run that really was fit off the safety. Everyone on the defensive line did their job. They fit up their gaps. It was off a run off the safety and that 56-yard run. You take that out of the equation, they held a, a really explosive runner to 3.7 yards to carry uh, on, on Thursday night. Uh, they scored a defensive touchdown. Scoring a defensive touchdown, it's 86%. There's a study done in the NFL. 86% of games where you have a defensive or a special teams touchdown, you have the ability now to have a better 86% chance of winning the game, um, even that much more. And I think that was important. That was the play of the game. They needed that play. Um, you know, to have the two sacks be one that was a linebacker, uh, you know, it, it was, um, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, um, but they drew a double A gap blitz and, and brought it through. Um, and then, you know, we're able to get to the quarterback in a third you, long. Are you talking about the one at the end of the half there? The end of the half, yeah. Yeah, Cody Simon. Yeah, Cody Simon, sorry. Cody Simon had that one sack. And then, you know, the other one, you know, we've heard about Harrison, you know, the local product out of Old Tangy Orange. He's done a phenomenal job of, of really putting his body together. And um, he looks different. Uh, you know, I saw him over the summer working camps down there this summer. And he, he just looks like a different person than he did. Uh, but he's not Chase Young. He's not Joey Bosa. He's not Nick Bosa. We don't have that guy yet. And until that guy comes, this defensive line is going to have to play hard together. Um, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more of stunting and angling to try to get those guys to get a little bit more pressure. Now, that being said, Minnesota's offensive line is a good offensive line. They're big physical people. Um, they don't hold, they don't drop back very long to try to get the ball out. They're going to throw RPOs with Tanner Morgan. They're going to do that. Um, you know, they're going to be a little bit more aggressive this weekend with a quarterback running and, and with, with Oregon, what they can do. Um, I, I think that they're going to have uh, their hands, you know, full, but I also think that they're going to be uh, probably the best part of this defense going forward uh, with what they have. Uh, you know, Jack Sawyer, I was excited to see him finally play. You know, he missed his senior year, uh, electing to sit out because of the COVID protocol. Um, really didn't do much um, off the, you know, on the stat sheet or physically. You know, it's it's a new game for him. Um, he, he's not rushing off the edge against Canal Winchester anymore. He's going in the Big Ten. So uh, he'll learn as he's going, uh, but he's going to continue to do a really nice job. And, and he's another guy that as they continue to mature, uh, he's going to jump off the charts. It's going to be exciting to see these guys. Uh, from that standpoint, if anything, you walk away from the game and you're the defensive coordinator, That's that, that was the highlight of your group uh, was that just that defensive line. Uh, they played a big physical game where they were out on the field for you know, 38 plus minutes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough game to play that way. And they're being weighed on by by big human beings. I mean, you're talking the one tackle is 400 pounds for Minnesota. I mean, these are large yeah. human beings. Um, you know, some of the largest people God's ever put on this earth uh, happened to play offensive line for Minnesota on Thursday night. <laughs> I, I think one of the things Buckeye fans uh, in in the you know twenty four hours and certain uh, twenty four hours after after the game and certainly during the game um, probably had some gripes with or or you know were noticing at least somewhat concerned about there was probably more defensive rotation uh, than I can remember seeing in a little while and and I know through message boards and and on social media those comments were were you know shared by others. 
specifically on the defensive line, when, when you're trying to put together a game plan, um, obviously you, you you trust the talent in your room. If you put a guy on the plane, you know, to take a, a trip, you're putting him on there because you expect that he's able to contribute and go. Do you think that the the, the um, number of bodies that we saw on Thursday night rotating in and out uh, from a coaching philosophical standpoint, is that something that that you try to do on the defensive line when you know you're playing against a big offensive line that you you try to have fresh legs against? Is that maybe part of the reason why they did that? Yeah, when you go play against a big offensive line like that. Uh, you become an AAU basketball coach. You roll with a bunch of all-stars. You're trying to figure out what mixture is going to work out. And, and maybe the seventh or eighth guy on the bench is going to have a hot night. And he's going to have a way of getting there and be able to find it. And it kind of makes everyone else play better. And that's the beauty of the defensive line is always they're going to rotate. They're going to move guys in and out. Um, you know, they're going to have that flexibility, especially with the depth that Ohio State has. They're going to do a lot more of that this year. Now, once you have, like I said, a Chase Young or one of the Bosos or, or somebody that's just a mainstay that you're like, we can't get, we can't take this guy out of the game, you're going to keep him in. Uh, and right now, there's not that guy that's just that blue blood that's going to, you know, over, you know, overtake the game. They're looking to find that guy, trying to discover him. And I think it was a great experience for those guys to get experience for those guys. I mean, a lot of those guys played, and that's what you're looking for. And I think more so or not, um, you know, Buckeye fans might have been looking for a negative because. There wasn't the big sack. There wasn't the big TFL and, and, and the big, you know, flex over a guy afterwards. But that group played a, a solid game up front um, and rotating those guys through. Um, they're they're going to be good up front this year. And, and it wasn't what the dominant factor was. Minnesota's not what Minnesota's been. And we're going to see that this year in the Big Ten. Minnesota's going to have games where they go beat somebody and eyes are going to go up. They're going to lose games where people's eyes are going to go up. Uh, but But Minnesota had a great game plan. And they wanted to control the clock. They wanted to have big physical people on those defensive linemen, making them rotate. Because what happens is, I mean, imagine if you just go into a game and somebody continuously punches you in the face for 10, you know, for 10, 15 minutes straight, you're getting punched in the face, punched in the face, punched in the face. Eventually, you do need to stop getting punched in the face. And that's really <laughs> what happened. Um, and, and it wasn't, we didn't, the guys didn't fall down. They didn't give up a ton. They just played in a really physical game and they didn't want to wear these guys out too much. They're coming off of a, coming off of a, you know, training camp, ready to roll. Um, I really think they did a great job, and it's exciting to see those guys. I think those message boards are going to flip when those guys are rotating, and now you're seeing six or seven guys on the stat sheet with sacks, and all of a sudden you come back and you go, you know, Coach Johnson is the GOAT again. You know, and I think that's where people are going to be going at it, uh, you know, from that standpoint. But I, there's no reason to be concerned at this point. Um, you know, they gave up 200 yards against a really good rushing team who ran the ball 50 times. Running 50 times, they tried to run the football. They were not, they knew what they were. They sat there in that meeting. And Mike Sanford Jr., as he was getting that game plan together, he sat there and I'm sure PJ Fleck ran in, had an aura on his shoulder, and said, Hey, make sure that we control the clock. And he's like, Okay. So we're not gonna have a lot of drop back passes. We're not gonna have a lot of those different things. And um, and they gave themselves a chance to compete with a team that was superior to them. The one thing that you could notice from the game was that Minnesota was bigger than, than Ohio State up front. They have yep. massive human beings. And, and I joked in the opening as a Wisconsin light. That's what they are. And they're a big physical team. They're not as athletic. They can't go one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, Harrison beats two guys on that strip sack when they finally let Tanner Morgan drop back and try to throw something. I mean, that's where, you know, you're going to see him kind of flash. And when teams that open up things a little bit more, um, he's going to be he's gonna be the guy, the bell cow for uh, the Buckeyes going forward. So uh... – some discussion here about getting to the quarterback and, and, you know, we're going to transition to the linebackers, but the idea of the rush defense or, or pass rush in general, 
you know, last year certainly wasn't a problem creating pressure. The problem was finishing and, and getting sacks, which I think maybe eats at you as a defensive lineman a little bit because you're so close so often, but not quite getting it, you know, with, with a, with a tackle for loss or a sack, uh, at least compared to the really high bar we've seen with Buckeye, uh, Buckeye, you know, Rushman over the last few years. Um, but I think maybe the unsung play of the game, the, the, the highlight of the game that, you know, was a real difference maker that not enough people are talking about is that Cody Simon sack, because if Minnesota doesn't take that sack, they're fairly deep in Ohio state territory they're on the move. There's a chance they could at least put three more points on the board. Instead, Cody Simon comes up with a fantastic play on that delayed blitz, and Minnesota says, "Okay, well, you know, we'll take the lead in the locker room." But that felt like a like a small punctuation mark that Ohio State knew. Hey, we got half an hour left to play, down four points. There's no reason to panic. And, and I thought Cody made a great play. Um, your your general thoughts on the linebacking core and, and the way they uh, they performed on Thursday. Yeah, the blitz by Cody Simon was outstanding. But to be able to pause and still be able to get there like that, um, it shows you the athleticism that he has, the athleticism that there really is in that linebacker room uh, that's going to end up manifesting in better play as they go forward. Um, it's guys learning, finding their way and learning how to learning how to tackle in space. The NCAA this past year took full pads away from a lot of practices. So the way that you tackle isn't the way you've tackled in the past. And I think you're seeing that with a lot of teams this, uh, this weekend. You're seeing teams that can't tackle. Um, and that's always a concern coming out of the gate. Are there teams that can tackle and teams that can't tackle? We can tackle as many rugby circles as we want to and you know the, the different materials that we all buy as coaches, uh, looking at those different things. But at the end of the day, you have to tackle. And if you don't tackle, you're not going to get better at it. It's whatever it is that you do, whatever that craft is, you're going to have to do more of it. And I'm sure the first day they put pads on, um, this upcoming week, they're going to tackle and they're going to take advantage of the extra day to prep uh, on Oregon being a Thursday game leading into a Saturday game. And I really think that you're going to see a better version of those guys tackling as they go forward. It's the first time they've played live football to go tackle guys. There's times where as a defensive coach, you go into a practice, you might be in full panic, but hey, we're going to, this is a thud period. We're just going to come up and we're going to thud guys. And, and that's what you saw a lot of guys thudding guys, not really bringing their feet through. And I think that's what's going to be the difference for that linebacker core is they get used to playing live football and bringing people to the ground the right way. Um, it wasn't as much that they weren't in position as much as they should have been. I didn't think that Minnesota was uh, schematically superior. Um, you know, Ohio State did some things schematically that, you know, I'm not working back to the offense that where they were shifting and motioning guys uh, that really gave Minnesota fits the other night. Um, and I know the announcers kept saying that, you know, they're going to make, you know, Minnesota change their flex to make Ohio State coach. Well, he didn't make him coach that much. It was, it was so these guys had to execute and tackle. Um, he's going to make them tackle, and that's what they're going to take away from that group. Um, it's a great unit. It's it's a bunch of really good football players. Um, you know they're going to get caught in space at times, and you know we're going to focus in on the negative. I think more so because Ohio State the product has been so high. Um, it's just more so you don't want that letdown uh, going forward with that. And um, you know looking at those linebackers, like I said, Simon on that delayed blitz was 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 exciting because he sits there, he waits. You know, back stays in. Okay, I'm a green dog and I'm coming in. You know, they're going the double A gap. He was able to pause. You see the O lineman look away because O lineman, what they're looking at is they're going to look at that linebacker. And even Simon even turns his shoulder a second. And a lot of guys are taught when that shoulder turns, all right, now I can go work on that down lineman or whoever's coming off the edge. And I mean, he did it to a T. Um, it was a great job by him. And, you know, you're going to see more of that probably in the blitz packages to be able to do that. One of the disadvantages of blitzing a bunch like that with a lot of the zone blitzes, Ohio State ran the other night. It put the linebackers out of position. 
And when you're running gap scheme runs like Minnesota was majority of the night, you're going to get guys playing out of gaps and they're going to be able to crease things. And testament to that defensive line again to be able to sit in there, hunker in it, and play their position the way they were supposed to. But um, there's a lot to be left to the, the um, to the desire from the linebacker room. And I think as you're seeing it going forward, they're only going to get better. I think maybe the the closing thought on linebackers is one of gratitude that Taraja Mitchell's um, early game targeting foul was picked up uh, because that could have been a real real problem for the Buckeyes if he was not available. Uh, the rest of that game. And, and you know, I, obviously there was uh, a hit Lathan Ransom delivered, you know, late in the game where he thought that could potentially leak over to next week. Thankfully, there was no targeting foul on that either. Let's uh, let's move to the defensive backfield. And, you know, if it's it's uh, I think it's probably best to reference the fact and you can totally correct me if you think I'm wrong. I, I just think Ohio State uh, is. It has such a high ceiling offensively that that becomes the expectation and that defensively, you know, they've had some really, really good years in the secondary, but I think it's fair to remind people that college football is a very offensive minded game. It, it tends to favor the wide receiver in, you know, in position battles or you're going up for passes. It's, it's just tough to be a defensive back. The Buckeyes started two freshman corners you know, hopefully Josh Proctor's okay. We don't know the extent of his injury, but um, you know, at, at, he did have an interception that was called back because of a of a roughing the passer. I mean, there there were some flashes maybe of really good play, but uh, I think that right now remains the weak point. Yeah, I, I, the DBs uh, from a positive standpoint, they play with confidence, <laughs> and that's the biggest thing you want that group to be able to play with. It's a different world out there. You're playing on an island. There's times where you have help. There's times where you don't have help. And like you said, the game is geared towards offensive football. People tune in, and the other night, if this game was 3 nothing, and we're talking about it right now, people are going to be like, a 3 nothing game. People are more excited about seeing the Buckeyes score 45 points than they are posting a shutout. Now, 45 nothing, then, you know, we're going to have little, you know, poppers, and we're jumping around going, oh, this is the greatest team in the history of football, and uh, from that standpoint. But you have these two young DBs who are putting themselves, these corners, are going against a 6-4 and a 6-3 receiver, respectively. A size matchup, that, that, that's really hard. And those guys got caught in those one-on-one matchups. Um, and, and they're going to learn as they go through it. But they were not afraid to play with their hands. They weren't afraid to get penalties. And you have to play that way as a defensive back in today's game. You have to go continue to play that way. Put it on the official. Make him make that call. Go play the game. Don't give something up because you're like, well, I thought I was going to get a penalty. And I thought that was one of the things that was great to see out of a young group. A lot of those guys are worried about flags and they're worried about different things like that. Those, those guys came out and played. Um, and they were overmatched. They're playing against guys that are grad transfers and guys that have been, you know, playing this game for three, four years at this magnitude. Um, it's a lot different than in high school when probably a year ago, nobody even looked to your side of the field because it was shut down. And um, there's been some guys that have given up big plays um, for Ohio State that turn out to be really, really special defensive backs. And, and like you mentioned earlier, Brandon, there's a there's a group of guys that are right now dominating in the National Football League um, that, that learned how to play this game in that secondary with the coaches that are there now. And, you know, you know, with, with, you know, Coach Combs being there and what he's going to do with those guys as they continue to develop, they continue to grow. It's not for a lack of athleticism. It's not for a lack of ability. Um, I thought technique-wise, they played really well. Um, I thought they did a nice job as you're watching the way they leverage receivers inside and out in different coverages. Um, those guys knew what they were doing. Um, sometimes they're just God-given. The one fade ball, you know, towards the end of the, the first touchdown of the game for Minnesota, I, I don't know. I mean, unless Jesus Christ is playing corner, I don't know who else is going to make that. <laughs> uh, the ball was placed there in a specific way uh, to a 6'4 body away from it. I mean, we work that with offensive guys. You work that every day in practice. 
Um, and, and those guys worked out all summer long. And to be able to have that manifest for them for a touchdown, kudos to them. Uh, but realistically, um, you know, that's those are the type of situations those guys are in that are tough. And I, I, I think I gave – I originally gave a very low grade, a lower grade. Um, I was optimistic, though, with the young group um, and what they did. Um, I thought there were times where they came up and fit the run uh, when they needed to. They're going to learn to do that as a physical group. And um, they're only going to get better. And, and remember, they opened with Minnesota. They didn't open, like I said, with, uh, you know, ITT Tacker or uh, the, the Bishop Sycamores of college football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the entertainment factor with you is always there. I love it. Um, I'm, one more thing on the DBs. You know, I, I think a lot of fans immediately jump to looking at Coach Combs. Uh, you know, it's a natural thing when you don't see your, you know, your unit or your group playing well that you look at the coach. Coach Combs has done such an unbelievable job as a recruiter for the Buckeyes. Give us a give us a perspective on why or why not from an X's and O standpoint. Um, you know, th- things are either coaching or personnel or you know wh- where the breakdown is on you know the majority maybe of of some of those instances. You know, right now, I'd say it's probably more so personnel than anything else. It's just young guys. You know, and the, the game right now is geared towards offensive linemen are allowed to go five down, five yards downfield. They say they're not allowed to, but they're allowed to go five yards downfield, engage on somebody to fit the run, throwing RPOs off of it. And that's what they faced the other night. You know, and fade balls are fade balls. Those are 50-50 balls. You really throw it up. And sometimes you come down with it as an offense or defense, and sometimes you don't. Um, and then I really think that's where it's at, you know, from that standpoint. He hasn't learned. He hasn't forgotten how to coach. Um, if anything – Coach is a better coach than he was when he first got here. You know, he spent the last couple of years at a Mike Vrabel defense and, in, 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 you know, with the Tennessee Titans. And now he's back here in Ohio State. Now everyone knows him for planting flags and recruiting and, and everything that he does. And he's dynamic at it. Um, I remember as a young coach meeting him on the road. We were at Moeller High School. And it was his first day at Ohio State. And he had Ohio State coat on. And he goes, how about this? I was coaching at Coleraine High School. I'm the Ohio State now. I mean, it's, like, it's an ex- you know, exceptional deal. Um, and I think he's a way better coach now than he was then. Um, you know, and I think sometimes in, in circles, uh, Coach Coombs, you know, he was looked at more as a um, more as just a recruiter. Uh, but no, he's doing a, He's going to do a great job with those guys. They're going to mature. They're going to grow. They're going to make plays. But it also comes back to on those fade balls. Can you get pressure quickly? And he's trying to figure out a way to do that. Find that magical elixir. They're rotating guys the other night. Um, like I said, seven new starters, seven new starters, national television against a seasoned offense at Minnesota with a bunch of guys coming back um, who really we're planning on imposing their will on them all night long. And uh, I think that secondary is only going to get better uh, going forward with that. You're going to see them mix up coverages, uh, you know, and, and probably not as much man as they ran the other night, uh, giving them ability to sit more in zone and, and really let those guys kind of read and, and go with it. And then when they play lesser opponents, they're going to be able to go play. They're going to be able to go play man. And what those guys were accustomed to doing, and they're going to go play football. And that's what they recruited those guys to do. I mean, these aren't bad corners. These are, these are five-star, four-star, some of the best in the world. That are, that are coming to play here in, you know, two, three years down the road, we're going to look back at these guys and go, oh, wow, he's like a Denzel Ward. He's like this guy and so on and so forth. If you remember as a Buckeye fan, watching Denzel Ward out of Nordonia High School early, no one thought they were like, I can't believe they took this guy. You know, and people were, people were upset because he was getting picked on. They're going to pick on somebody. You have to as an offense and kind of figure it out uh, from that standpoint. But I think coverage-wise, they're going to do a better job of continuing to help those guys zone, zone match stuff um, that they're accustomed to doing. And they're going to put more on those guys as they keep going. I think we've done a good job of, of sort of taking the temperature of where the team is at and how they performed in week one. Obviously, you know, winning was the only only goal, the only expectation, and the Buckeyes have a chance to to rack up a second straight against Oregon. 
let's wrap up with uh, one um, one thing that's less position focused and maybe more full team focused. Uh, give me a sense of what you thought about you know discipline in general and not just you know committing a, a bad penalty, but um, you know in general the 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 level of IQ of knowing where you're supposed to be and and doing your job because that's what this play requires. Yeah, uh, we'll start with an offensive standpoint. I thought the Buckeyes did a great job of mixing around with different shifts and motions. Um, you know, one of the things that probably fans at home weren't looking at, they started in some unbalanced sets and then shifted to a non-unbalanced set. So you're going from a, a non-traditional set to a traditional set with the motion, man. Um, you're making guys shuffle papers. You're, you're not letting those guys set at the urinal on defense. So it makes it a little difficult from that standpoint. But I, I thought they did a good job of being able to do that. They were in a variety of different, you know, sets and 12 personnel and 11 personnel. Um, and being able to give them the flexibility to do that. Um, it was a great game plan. The players lined up accordingly. I believe there was only one holding penalty, if I'm correct on that. Um, and it was it was my Superman of the game. Uh, he got caught out on, on, out on the perimeter. And that, what happens is that's a sideline call. That's a coach yelling at an official for three quarters. And he keeps going, he's been holding, he's been holding. Finally, okay, they throw the flag. Um, and then really that's where that kind of came into play, uh, you know, from that standpoint. But I thought offensively there was a lot of discipline. You know, the two snap errors, you know, we're, we're a little low, but also as CJ grows, he'd be able to grab those as well. You got a guy starting his first start at center, you know, very wet environment. Um, I'm sure they're going to have that corrected. That'll be something that they're going to magnify. And, and that young man at center is going to hear that all week long to a point where he's going to be like, all right, I get it. Like I, I, he's going to stay after he's going to snap. He's going to dip the ball in water and a bucket of water. And he's going to go out there snapping with it. He's going to grab CJ and say, Hey, can we get extra snaps and, and go from that standpoint uh, defensively? You know, the, the penalty on the quarterback's inexcusable. This isn't a new rule. This isn't something that you don't know. Like, you are at practice every single day. You're not allowed to touch a quarterback. I mean, you watch it any sport, any level of football. If we go watch peewee football down the street um, at, say, Brendan's, or we're watching, you know, the Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals, you're going to hear at practice, stay away from the quarterback and everywhere in between. Um, you know better than that. To put your hands up when the quarterback's coming through and to follow through this way, they're taught that way not to do that. Um, they're not going to see that happen. You shouldn't see it happen a lot, uh, especially when there's an interception. There's nothing that's more you know, devastating to a defense. You get that effort. You get that crucial takeaway that you talk about, that you're hungry about, that you're going to run to the sideline and put a crown on or a belt or a garbage, whatever it is that you're to celebrate it. And you go have that taken away by just a swat of the hand of the quarterback. It wasn't a huge hit on Tanner Morgan, uh, but it was a dumb hit. And when that happens, you, you get really upset to see that because uh, takeaways are precious. The football is precious. Um, I worked with a coach and always said the ball is everything, and I couldn't agree more with him. Um, that's important, and having the ability to be able to, you know, capitalize on those capitalize on those moments and not have it taken away. That interception comes back, Brendan. You know, we're talking about a game that maybe the Buckeyes put up fifty. You know, you're talking about a different thing where you go, "Hey, the defense." We come away from this game. Well, the defense caused two turnovers. One was a touchdown. One set up another uh, Chris Olave shot in the, in the red zone quickly. And you're looking at this two bang bang scores that the Buckeyes were able to generate off of the defensive play, and, and it probably puts a better taste in your mouth defensively. Um, you know, from a special team standpoint, which we I know we didn't talk about, um, it was great. It was encouraging to see great field goal kicking. Um, and to see that being able to execute at, at different times, and then obviously, you know. With the units, the, the the four running units, I thought they did a nice job uh, giving up no explosive plays and, and really generating those, those hidden yards for the Buckeyes. 
That was great analysis, but I feel like we, we're just going to look past the fact that you. I think you just canonized me. I, I feel sanctified. I, I heard a Saint Brendan. I know you're <laughs> somewhere else, but I, I'm I'm stuck on that. Yes, <laughs> you're ready to go. Uh, the the local CYO in Columbus will be excited. That they got the shout out for it. <laughs> oh, I love it. This has been so much fun. Really appreciate your uh, your thoughtful insight and uh, breaking down what was you know at the end of the day uh, a two touchdown win and. The Buckeyes were favored by two scores. You know the offense has that capability, and and the expectation is that you know they're going to scare a forty point mark or exceed it most weeks. Um, we'll see if the defense can continue to improve, but uh, a good start in Week One for Ohio State. Coach, thanks for your time, and uh, look forward to doing this again here with you shortly. Brendan, I appreciate it, and uh, and go Bucks.